Welcome to The Current, a podcast produced by We Stand for Energy. We Stand for Energy is a community that supports a reliable, affordable, and sustainable energy future for everyone. It is a project of EEI, Edison Electric Institute, the National Trade Association representing U.S. investor-owned electric companies. My name is Brad Viator, Executive Director of External Affairs at EEI, and I'm your host. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of being joined by Brian Wolf, the Executive Vice President of Policy and External Affairs at the Edison Electric Institute. Welcome, Brian. It's awesome to be here. I'm really honored to actually be a part of this podcast that's in its 22nd episode. That's pretty pretty phenomenal and pretty amazing. This started in the pandemic, right? But it's it's such a great vehicle. It's absolutely an awesome product. So I really appreciate you originating this and really getting it out there and really growing our listenership, as you say, because it's really grown so much throughout 2020. And I know it'll be really awesome and have a lot of growth in 2021. Excellent. Well, thanks, Brian. So as you think about the sort of political environment that we're facing, can you tell us about the industry's policy priorities? What is the electric power sector thinking about as it relates to this new Congress? And are those priorities changing? COVID really had been front and center for us, particularly with regard to policy. As we were looking, as you know, you were leading a lot of those issues, particularly with keeping our workforce safe and healthy, which was a real priority for us, while at the same time being able to serve our customers and react to the needs of our customers during the pandemic. And you know very well how much our customers were struggling financially due to the pandemic. And since the beginning, I think that everyone in our industry has been entirely reaching out and literally giving us feedback on what pieces and types of legislation in stimulus related recovery and what were we going to need as far as tools out there to really get our chief customer officers in our companies up to speed to be able to address financial issues related to keeping our customers whole, safe, and with power during the pandemic, getting them on payment plans, and really a lot of innovative customer assistance programs. And you know that we we really, in the industry, we, we rely on LAHEAP, the Low Income uh, Energy Assistance Programs that really connect to community programs out there. And that's been a real priority for us in Congress. It was funded uh, in 2020 at a higher level, but quite honestly, it only funds approximately in the pandemic, approximately 20% of all low-income customers that are actually in need. And I would say also the Paycheck Protection Program was pretty critical in helping businesses meet their financial obligations and everyday bills too. When we think about a new administration, a new Congress, we segue to clean energy and climate what were we going to be doing there with a new Congress? And the first part of that was really educating and making sure that the existing Congress, before we shifted over to a new Congress, knew exactly where we were as an industry, that we were already on a path to lower our emissions by 80% by 2050 compared to 2005 levels. And at the end of 2019, our power sector was 33% below already. You know, the, the investor-owned sector was literally stretching up to close to 45% 
below 2005 levels in 2019. Uh, so our industry is in a complete transformation and our job was really in the new Congress. We actually started fly-ins, as you know, Brad, we started fly-ins in December for the Senate. And we're currently in the middle of the House virtual fly-in. And that is really about a lot of the new leadership in Congress and making sure that they know what our priorities are, what our long-term climate goals are, and what our needs are when it comes to developing affordable, reliable, dispatchable, 24-7 carbon-free technologies that are not currently available when we think about long-duration storage, small modular nuclear reactors, and looking at broader technologies like CCS for gas, CCS for existing coal even, and what we look to, to what's going to be needed to sort of get, I mentioned that 80% by 2050. We still need those carbon-free technologies to mature and to be commercially available, right, and to get that last 20% of reductions. So, We've spent a lot of time, Brad, these virtual fly-ins were one, but then I've been on a mission to make sure that we are connected in every agency transition team where we do business so that they know where we are, what we're looking to do, and what we're looking to pick up where we left off from, right? Infrastructure has been front and center. That's a third priority for us. I would say that the new administration in Congress is well aware that we're going to be promoting grid modernization. One of your issues, broadband middle mile. We started talking about broadband in the COVID sense, where there was a real disparity in that connection as far as what was available to customers out there, particularly in low income and disadvantaged communities all the way around. So I really think there's going to be an opportunity there on broadband, on grid modernization, on electric transportation in an infrastructure package for sure. Grid security, as you know, is front and center for us. We partnered with the federal government. We continued that partnership with the Trump administration, and we will continue that partnership with the Biden administration. And that's really going to be addressing all the threats to the energy grid, whether those threats are natural disasters or man-made disasters or any cyber threats like the ones that we've seen more recently. Tax policy is also going to be a priority for us. As you know, the incoming administration has already talked about looking at Corporate tax rate, for example, we're really going to need to look at that as an issue. I would say that's an educational issue, though, because if you think about it, corporate tax rate and that tax increase across the board, while the optics of it might be one way, you know, in thinking that, oh, yeah, we want we need to we need to tax corporations more. In the other sense, we've got education work to do there because they need to understand that for utilities, for our industry, that when you increase the corporate tax, that just gets passed along to customers, which means increased bills. Yeah, I hear a couple of things that are striking to me. And I'll, so I'll try to channel our audience with my follow ups. First, First kind of being corporate America, taxes are always going to be an issue and a concern with the Democratic administration. I think it's very prudent to be thinking about and focusing on on some of those issues. So that, that part makes sense to me. But the thing that you said that, you know, might be unexpected for some of our listeners, you're working on technologies to solve for the last 20%. Like you're talking about how we get rid of carbon emissions altogether in the utility sector. And I sort of wonder those discussions that y'all have been having with policymakers, particularly with the democratic ones. I mean, it has to be a little bit of a breath of fresh air for these guys, right? Like you're coming in talking about solutions. Is that how it's received? It's been well received. I do think though, 
that the political reality, which you well know, we have the most narrow majority for the Democrats in the House and the most, the most narrow majority as far as a, the control in the Senate. So a lot of times that policy and policymaking really starts to come into more of a realistic focus, if you know what I mean. It really starts to, you know, you come out with the big ideas, right? And then you narrow them to see what's possible, right? Because it's really going to depend on, it's going to be more of the moderates in the Senate and the moderates in the House that are really going to be needed to pass legislation. We're really focused on having conversations about consensus. And, and we heard that from member after member, Brad, which was it was really going to be a consensus-based process. And that's what we're focused on is what is possible. It always starts, you throw out your biggest idea and probably your highest cost, right? Your big idea and your highest cost proposal. And then it gets narrowed based on the process. You started talking about something super interesting to me, which was those like smaller, more narrow opportunities for consensus. What are some of those issues that you're thinking about longer term that could crop up where you could really see some things moved along? Well, I really, even though it's big in nature, as far as when you think about infrastructure, I think infrastructure is one of those areas that, you know, you're going to try to throw a lot into it. But I think it's going to narrow based on the political will. I think it'll start off as a Christmas tree, but I think it's going to be narrowed to areas of focus that are really things that needed to be our jobs focused. And what is it to bring people back to the workforce? So I think if it does, if it's not viewed through the jobs angle, I really think it's ultimately going to fall away. Congress tends to put a lot in legislation, as you know but it usually ends up falling away to the more germane issues to the legislation. Yeah, that's fascinating because people always talk about the infrastructure challenge and say that Republicans and Democrats agree on infrastructure. They just don't agree on any of the details. For the country's sake, I hope they can figure something out there because it's needed, right? As people are home hurting, these sort of jobs packages that are getting people back to work are exactly what the people I'm talking to in the states are, are crying out for. So sticking with the Congress and the administration, a bunch of new policymakers in Washington. What are you most excited about with these new policymakers? Like, what are the opportunities that you see that, you know, we maybe didn't have a few months ago in the last Congress? I think middle mile broadband, that's a passion of yours and a passion of our industry with regards to what we can actually do there. You know, we're the ones that really have the infrastructure I think that when we talk about deploying our own infrastructure to these underserved communities, we can use our transmission infrastructure and the fiber that we're installing for our own industry use to be able to do that work and, and partner with the telcos to get that done. I also am really excited about the potential in and around electrifying the transportation sector. I think the incoming administration is going to be very supportive of the electric transportation, and I really think that we need to lean in there. You know, we our industry's already deployed about $2.6 billion in customer programs for charging infrastructure and accelerate electric transportation across the country. And I really think the benefits of electrifying the transportation sector is going to go far when you think about reducing carbon in other sectors besides the power sector, right? That's the next sector we need to focus on. 
I'd probably say electric transportation and broadband are my two top opportunities. I'm not going to pour cold water on clean energy climate legislation, but I will say that we focused on that back in 2009 and 2010. And I can tell you that Democrats at that point had a trifecta with regards to the House, the Senate, and the White House. We had super majorities in both the House and Senate. So if you think about it, if there was ever an opportunity to do big things, it would have been then. I really question about now. I think it's going to be more of a pragmatist play. We do have some climate legislation. It's really going to be consensus driven. And to me, it's really going to be far more narrow. When we typically think about the work we have to do in the energy sector, we think about it through a few agencies, you know, EPA, Interior, Department of Energy, over to FERC. But I'm hearing conversations about commerce, about transportation, about state, about defense, you know, the new climate czar, John Kerry, stepping in. Do you see a lot of sort of action coming that way and it just being starting from this place of we've got a climate crisis that we've got to address and so we're going to attack it across the board? I think you're exactly right that it's a new day, right? It's a new administration and that means new opportunities. But I just want to say something on that part of it. Their approach from a domestic climate sense is to really be able to have climate permeate all of the federal complex. That means all of the federal agencies across them. I think there's a lot of agencies that we really work with already, but I absolutely think that climate is going to be front and center for the administration, and it's going to be a part of everything they do at every every agency. It'll be interesting to see how that comes into focus at, say, like the Labor Department. I can see with the workforce and approach to workforce issues, how you address those in environmental justice, us working with our labor partners, IBEW and the building trades and plumbers and steam fitters, pipe fitters, all of them to be able to think about labor issues and workforce issues related to clean energy and that transition. You know, one thing is you were talking about Department of Labor. I think that just transition topic ends up coming up. I think that ends up being one of the things that matriculates through labor as you think about climate. Absolutely. When we had President Stevenson at our board meeting this week, you know, that was one of his key points. He's going to be focused on what that transition looks like for our workforce. And we've got to take that in consideration, even with regards to environmental justice. Yeah, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers President Lonnie Stevenson is who Brian was referencing, and he's been very involved with the Biden transition team, and it's going to be a critically important voice in this administration going forward. We hope you found this to be an informative discussion, and we look forward to bringing you additional expert insights on energy policy. To learn more about EEI and the electric power industry, visit www.eei.org. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Current and We Stand for Energy.